Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the grace on this man's life. It's a global influencing grace, and we thank you for it. Lord, we bless him in the name of Jesus. We bless the word that he carries inside of him, the word, the living word, the Lord Jesus. We welcome the living word, Lord Jesus Christ, to walk amongst us and to teach and instruct us today. Father, let this be transformative in every one of our lives that we might go out of a ridiculous and radical encounter of Jesus to transform the world around us. And everyone who agreed with that prayer said, Amen. Amen. Thanks, Craig. That is my brother, my much older brother, by the way. That's very important. We recognize that immediately. Um, thank you guys so much for having me today. It is an absolute joy to be with you. Uh, I, I have had so much time, uh, so much uh, fun this morning just worshiping with you. I, I was watching this young, young boy here who was just, I don't know if you saw him. He, I, he probably does that every week, but just warring in the spirit as, as we worshiped and just beating up some phantom that was standing right around here. Uh, and how many know that worship is warfare? When we begin to worship, <laughs> we're taking back territory. We're declaring the truth of who God is. And nothing can stand against that truth. Amen? You guys look good, by the way. Man. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, speaking of looking good, I, I brought a picture here. Uh, that is not my family. It's just a picture of my family. Uh, <laughs> that is on the far end there is my daughter, Promise. My wife, Bethany, my son, Tobias, and my daughter, Hosanna, they're beautiful. I miss them. Um, my wife, by the way, one day I'm sure you're going to hear from her, too. She's an incredible woman of God. She is, God uses her so powerfully to declare truth over people, to bring people out of despair, to speak truth and clarity about who God is and who they are in God. And she just, she blows my doors off, so I, I love her. Um, in 2017, we were uh, living up in Canada, minding our own business. I was managing tire stores at the time, uh, and uh, suddenly God called us to move to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was really glad uh, when you said that you knew Albuquerque for Bugs Bunny. Most people say Breaking Bad. I'd rather Bugs Bunny than Breaking Bad. Um, but we moved down in 2017, and I, I began to... Uh, to lead the Impact Nations global team, this global family. Uh, for those who don't know who Impact Nations is, uh, bottom line, real quick, we like to rescue lives with a really big gospel. We believe the gospel is big enough and powerful enough to change every part of life, and when the kingdom comes, everything changes. And so we're doing that all over the world. You mentioned clean water. We're doing that. We, uh, we're feeding the hungry. But my favorite thing is we're rescuing people from really dangerous situations, whether that's abuse, human trafficking, prostitution, violence, gang life, slums. We're rescuing them from these dangerous situations, and we are bringing them new life through skills and business training, teaching them new marketable skills, helping them to flourish on their own, to become self-sustained. So we're doing that all over the globe, and I love it. Yeah, that's okay. You can cheer for that. So in 2017, we moved down to uh, Albuquerque, and I took this new job, and I didn't know what I was doing. I was making it up as I went along, I think, uh, by God's grace. <laughs> uh, and I remember 
Albuquerque, by the way, is in the middle of the desert. It's like if you, if you, I don't know what cities, you guys, I don't think you have much in the middle of, of Australia except for desert. It's kind of like that for us. There's this city in the middle of the desert. And uh, I, we were there for, I think I'd moved there two months prior, and uh, things were hard. And I remember I had looked at some financial statements. Uh, I was used to <laughs> being uh, working for a large corporation, global corporation that had uh, lots and lots of money, and, and I knew where my paycheck was coming from, and I wasn't worried. And then I, I suddenly got a, you know, a financial statement and thought, oh, boy, there's no safety net here. <laughs> and I remember driving. You remember this, Dad? I, I was driving on my way to Dad's house because I was in a panic. And I'm just telling you the truth. I was in a panic. And um, I, I channeled those very faithful desert dwellers, the Israelites, and I looked up to the heavens and I said, have you brought us out to the desert to die? <laughs> And I went to Dad's house. Dad was uh, uh, the the leader of Impact Nations, and I said, "Dad, I'm I'm so terrified." And he was so kind and gracious, as a father is, and calmed me down, <laughs> talked me off the ledge, and said, "Hey, it's going to be okay because God's got this." Because time and time again throughout Impact Nations history, God has had this, and every time God's provision comes through, and we see incredible breakthrough in the kingdom, and we see lives changed and transformed, and He's going to do it again and again and again and again, and He has. Praise God! And so I was talked off the ledge. Um, but today I want to talk a little bit about the desert, if that's okay. Uh, if you're, if you're a note taker, today's sermon title is Don't Despise the Desert, because God's doing work in the desert, yeah? We're going to talk about how he brings discipline in the desert, he brings preparation in the desert, and he sends us on mission to the desert sometimes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this incredible family that you have brought together this morning. Lord, thank you for the work that you are doing in this place Lord, not just in this house, but in this neighborhood, in this, in this community, Lord, because of these people that you've drawn here together today. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us, open our ears to hear, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Help us to understand what your spirit is saying. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So discipline, that's not a very fun word. Nobody likes discipline, right? Everybody's getting uncomfortable right off the bat. Why you got to start there? Well, we'll go fast, I promise. But I, I, by the way, I should say, I, I know that you guys usually wrap by about 11.20. Uh, the good news is that my iPad hasn't changed time zones yet. So by my calculation, I got about 18 hours. So we should be able to get it done by then, eh? <laughs> Discipline. Sometimes he takes us into the desert to discipline us. Now, here's the thing to remember. Sometimes from a human perspective, we hear discipline and we think wrath. We think anger, right? Oh, we've got an angry God who's mad at us and is out to get us. That is nothing at all like what he's up to. Sometimes it hurts because he's chiseling away, right? There may be some rough edges and he's got to hammer those off. But he's doing a work in us. He's helping us to become the people that he made us to be. You know, he, he declared as he made creation in, in, in Genesis, we see creation. He makes something, he says, ooh, that's good, right? He makes a, a, I don't know, he makes a rock, ooh, that's good. Makes a tree, ooh, that's good. Makes a wallaby, ooh, that's weird. 
But then he made people, and he said, oh, that's very good. And he declares over us, each and every one of us, and some of you need to hear this today, you are very good. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and he made you just the way you are for a reason. But how many know we've got some rough edges that need to be chiseled off sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think about the Israelites, coming back to the Israelites in the desert, right? Uh, they ended up spending 40 years wandering around that desert. And the reason they did is because of their disobedience. So uh, Numbers 14, 22 through 23 says, None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs, remember that, that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give their fathers. None of those who despise me shall see it. And he says ten times because if you remember, this is right after the, the twelve spies went into the land, right? They went into the land, they came back, and you'd think that the report was, oh my goodness, promised land, milk, honey, giant grapes the size of my head. This is incredible. That was the report from two of them. But ten of them, there be giants in there. We're afraid. We can't do it. Are you kidding me? We can't do this. See, they had no idea who they were in God, who God had called them to be, and they had no idea who God was. Even though, and this is, this is why it's in the text right here, they have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt. You've seen it. Guys, you know what I can do. You've just forgotten. You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten who I am. And so they wandered that desert for 40 years because he had a work to do. He had to start chiseling off some of those edges and helping to remind them of who they were and who God is. So sometimes we find ourselves in the desert because he's doing a refining work in us. A little over 12 years ago, my wife and I were serving in the Philippines, actually, uh, serving as missionaries. And I was a wreck. I was an unrecognizable mess. Unrecognizable not just because I had more hair, although I did have more hair back then, but I, I was broken. I was wrapped up in addiction and fear and anger. I didn't know who I was, and I certainly didn't know who God was. Didn't have a clue. And he had to take me out. He had to take me out and send me out into the desert for a while and start to remind me who I was and refine me. And I tell you, it was a painful process, but it was a beautiful process. And I would do it all over again because I am a completely changed man. I'm a transformed man because of who he is and because I'm becoming the man he made me to be. Each and every day, a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's radical rescue. Even in the desert, there's radical rescue that's coming, and it's, it's happening right there. We just need to see what he's doing around us and in us. Preparation. Sometimes he sends us to the de desert for preparation. Even Jesus was led into the wilderness, by the way, by the Holy Spirit. In Luke 4, it says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit led him. Now, he's just had this amazing thing, right? He's been baptized. The Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He hears the Father's voice of affirmation. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And you're like, all right, now we're going to go. We got this thing happening. Let's get this ministry started. Nope, we're going to the desert. All right, what's up with that? And he goes into the desert and he spends time of 
fasting, and he faces temptation. Because he was being prepared for what was coming. Hmm. Hebrews 4, 15, 16 says this. This high priest of ours, that's Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. See, we can go, verse 16, we can go to the throne of grace boldly because Jesus has faced that testing. Jesus has lived the human experience. There's a man in the Trinity, right? Jesus ascended. He didn't turn into spirit when he went up there. There's a man in the Trinity who has faced every temptation we have and more. He was prepared for that in the desert. Sometimes we're taken into the desert to be prepared for what's to come. And by the way, we need to ask ourselves, if Jesus was, was going into the desert to be prepared, why should we be surprised if we're going to go into a time of testing, if we're going to go into a time where he's beginning to, to build up faith in us, to build up this muscle of, nope, get behind me, Satan, I don't need that, right? And by the way, if Jesus was willing to go into the desert for the sake of us so that we could now go boldly into the throne room, are we willing to go into the desert for the sake of others? So that we can stand firm in our faith, stand firm in who we are in Christ and begin to point people to Jesus? My time of testing came in the desert when I got back from the Philippines. We... uh, Lost everything, by the way. I was terminated from my job and, and came home and had to start all over again. My wife and I had sold everything to move to the Philippines. Mom and dad were gracious enough to let us live in their house for a while. And after 10 weeks of being without work, there's a whole story there I can't tell, but God's provision was incredible. I found a job working in a tire store. And I was hired to be a manager eventually, but they had to teach me how to how to do tires. So I was out there at the beginning, I was climbing under trucks and changing tires. And I thought, what am I doing? Why am I here? By the way, I'm terrible at changing tires. Just (laughs) Stewards don't do hands-on stuff too good. It wasn't long actually before they said, hey, Stuart, get out of there. We'll we'll get you to sell the tires. You're better at talking than changing tires. So, Um, but God was doing something. I worked there for nearly six years and I learned I basically, I learned the business of tires. I learned how to look at financial statements. I, looked, I learned how to hire teams and build up teams and, and begin to develop mission for the team. I didn't know he was preparing me for something that was next. I had no idea. Now, you may say, well, okay, you were managing tire stores, which is what I was doing by the end. How on earth does that equip you to run an international ministry that rescues lives? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Within two months of starting at Impact Nations, I had my first big, uh, big job where I got to work with one of our partners overseas. Her name is Annabelle. And we were developing something called a School of Purpose. Annabelle was uh, working with us. We were rescuing teenage girls who had been impregnated at the hands of an abuser. Uh, a, a grandfather and uncle would, would make them pregnant and then kick them out of the house because they were shameful. They were living on the streets, pregnant, alone, with nowhere to turn. And Annabelle would scoop them up and love them. She and her team would bring them into this shelter that they had. They would care for them, help them to cover the costs of their medical bills for the baby. But she said to me in April of 2017, she said, this is great, but the problem is 
eventually the girls have to go. They've got to move on from the house. We've got to make more room because there's so many more girls that need rescue. What are we going to do? And I said, well, you tell me. What are we going to do? And she said, we want to start something called the School of Purpose. Because we believe that every one of these girls was born for purpose. They were born for dignity. They have a destiny. They just need to discover it. And we want to help them discover their purpose on this planet. And so I said, all right, let's do it. And she and I went back and forth. And suddenly I was using my skills, coaching her on how to build a team to do that, teaching her how to budget for that. All of these things that I had done with tires, now we're doing rescuing teenage girls in Uganda. (laughs) And... So suddenly I realized, see, the Lord has been preparing me all this time. And since I use these skills every day, budgeting, team building, vision casting, all of these things. And I haven't had to change a tire for years. Praise God. (laughs) Sometimes he's preparing us in the desert. So if you find yourself looking at your circumstances and going, why on earth am I here? Why do I have this job? Why don't I have a job right now? Why am I living in this neighborhood? I want to live in that neighborhood. Whatever it is. I promise you, the Lord has you there for a purpose. Begin to listen to the Holy Spirit and receive what he has for you in that season because it's going somewhere. It's leading somewhere, I promise you. Finally, sometimes he sends us into the desert for the sake of mission. Sometimes he sends us to the hard place because he's got something very specific for us there and it's going to radically change lives and he wants to use you to do it. See, we've been called to a mission, right? Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Those were Jesus' last words in in Matthew. Luke tells it this way at the beginning of Acts. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? Not just for the good feels, although we love it when the Holy Spirit comes. Absolutely, but why? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So go, be my witnesses, and make disciples. That's what Jesus said. That's the mission we've got. Each and every one of us, by the way. Nobody's exempt. Everybody's got the same mission. Just looks a little different, and it might be in a different place. So today I want to look at one of, the, one of my heroes of the early church, a guy named Philip. Uh, those of you who know about Philip, we see him in, uh, at first in uh, Acts chapter 6. And they've got a problem. The early church has a problem because there's bickering, there's fighting. Uh, and actually, bottom line, there's some racism going on in the church. We've got widows uh, who are supposed to be being provided for by the church. How many believe, by the way, the church is here to care for the widows, the orphans, the marginalized, those who cannot fend for themselves? Amen. So the church was about doing that. They were doing the work. But something's crept in, and we've got some, some racism happening, and some widows are actually getting the last of the food or not getting any at all. And this comes to the apostles' attention, and they say, boy, we've got to do something about it. So they pick seven guys to oversee the feeding program. And Philip is one of those seven. And they're looking for men of character. They're looking for men who are filled with the Holy Spirit. They lay hands on them and commission them to do this work. By the way, there is no small work. The Lord chooses people for specific jobs for a very, very specific reason, and he will empower you with the Holy Spirit. Never discount the job you've been given in that time. Philip was being prepared for something, by the way. We're going to see that in a few minutes. So they lay hands on him, and he and his six other buddies get to work on feeding the widows. Now we jump ahead to Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8... 
By now, he's in Samaria because a, a guy named Saul, we know him as Paul, he was right grumpy, thought he was doing something for the Lord, not so much. The church scatters. Now there are people all over the place. Now the enemy, how many people know the enemy has plans, wants to stop us from doing the work, but every single time the Lord says, you are playing right into my hands. So scary Saul is going around killing Christians, so they all scatter, and suddenly the word of the Lord is reaching communities it never would have otherwise. Yeah? So we find Philip later in Acts chapter 8, and he's now in Samaria. Remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, hey, you're going to go to Samaria. Here he is in Samaria. The word is being fulfilled. And they are having a good time. I'll tell you what, there is revival happening. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure they also had a young man just up here just warring in the spirit up there in Samaria. Incredible worship times. By the way, how about it for that worship team? That was awesome this morning. Revival in Samaria. People are getting healed. Demons being cast out. The Holy Spirit coming down, just filling people. It's revival. Now, we're going to pick up the story <laughs> in uh, verse 27. Uh, sorry, verse 26, I think. Uh, basically, right in the middle of revival... An angel of the Lord shows up. By the way, how many people could use an angel of the Lord to just give him direction? You know, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> now, I don't know. Maybe Philip was having such a good time and so, so happy just in the spirit doing what he thinks he's supposed to be doing, which he was at the time, that maybe it takes an angel of the Lord to interrupt him and say, yo, I got a different assignment for you. I don't know. I could use an angel sometimes. Haven't seen one yet. I'll keep asking. <laughs> so an angel... Of the Lord spoke to Philip. He says, get up and go south. Go to the desert road that runs down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he got up and went. <laughs> I've flown over that desert, by the way, and it is a desert. I mean, there is nothing there. Man, it is dry. Revival to the desert. But here's the thing. Obedience leads to opportunity. Watch this. Verse 27, so he got up and went, obedience, immediate obedience, as far as we can tell. <laughs> Lo and behold, what a coincidence. <laughs> there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, who was in charge of her whole treasury. He'd come, down to, Jerus he'd come to Jerusalem to worship and was on his way back home. He was sitting on his chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. Go up and join his chariot, the Spirit said to Philip. Man, do you want that gift wrapped or what? Like, <laughs> here's a guy sitting here reading Isaiah in the middle of the desert, and the Holy Spirit is all over this thing, right? I mean, Philip's got to immediately recognize, like, gee, I wonder who I should be witnessing to. <laughs> it's incredible. But you see, Obedience is going to lead to opportunities to witness to, to others, but it's also going to lead to opportunities for more obedience. You see, he went to the desert road, and immediately he has another opportunity to be obedient. Go and join his chariot, it says. Yeah. 
Now, I want you to notice the next verses. There's, there is power in asking questions. This is verse 30 through 31. So Philip ran up and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Again, my goodness. He says, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone gives me some help? So he invited Philip to get up and sit beside him. Man, this is, this is actually not too bad of a mission field. I thought the desert would be hard, but this, so far this is going pretty good. <laughs> Got a guy who's already reading scripture and now wants me to hang out with him. This is easy. <laughs> but you see the question he asked. He said, do you understand what you're reading? Sometimes just asking a good question gets something started. Make sure you listen for the answer. But asking a simple question, do you know what's going on? The other day, I was prompted by the Holy Spirit, not immediately, or if I didn't recognize it immediately, to ask a question. I was in the middle of an interaction with someone, and if I'm being honest, they were driving me nuts. Like, they were grumpy, and just, you know, when you're not talking the same language. And it's like, what is, what is going on? And I, I remember beginning to walk away and, you know, making that face. Like, what is the deal with this person? And the Holy Spirit stopped me in my tracks and said, hey... Why don't you go ask a question? So I stopped and I turned around. And I sat down and I said, are you okay? Instant tears. Weeping. No, I'm not okay. I'm so worried. I've got this, I've got this financial difficulty and I don't know what's going to happen. And I've tried and tried to figure it out and I can't. And I'm worried. And I know God says don't worry, but I'm really worried. And we were able to just sit and I just listened and prayed. Sometimes asking a simple question can open up a whole avenue of ministering the love of Christ to somebody. Hmm. Now there's the power of answering questions as well. Not just asking, but answering. But make sure you're answering the question that people are asking. Listen to this. Verse 32. The biblical passage he was reading was this one. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shears, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, judgment was taken away from him. Who can explain this generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. He's reading Isaiah 53, by the way. It's a very powerful, well-known passage that is speaking about the suffering servant, Jesus Christ, and his crucifixion. So the eunuch says to Philip, who's the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Again, do you need this gift-wrapped dude? Like, this is so, what a setup. <laughs> See, the Holy Spirit's all over this story, setting it up. We can trust that when the Holy Spirit sends us into the desert, when he sends us on mission, he is going before us and preparing the way, I promise you, every time. Listen for the questions that are being asked and answer the questions that are being asked. If someone's weeping because they're stressed about finances, it's probably not the time to tell them uh, about the four spiritual laws. It's probably not the time to tell them about what you think about homosexuality or anything like that. It's time to listen and, and answer with the wisdom that Christ has already given us. It's not to tell them what you think about hell, and probably you're going there, so you should smarten up or you'll end up there. 
They're already in hell. Don't we see? Don't we get this? They're in hell right now. It's our job to tell them, hey, there's heaven now. It's available now because Christ went to the cross. He died. He rose again. And he announced the kingdom of heaven. And it's available to you now. It's within you. You're already invited to the party. Just come on in. That's the message. That's the beautiful gospel. Amen. Amen. So if the question is, why am I struggling with anger with my children? Why does my mother have cancer? Why is my marriage in shambles? We have an answer for those questions, I promise you. The answer is John 10.10. 10. Hey, we have an enemy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. That's the answer to all of those questions. And then we tell him about Jesus. <laughs> Verse 35, then Philip took a deep breath, here we go, <laughs> and started from this biblical passage, starting from this biblical passage, he told him the good news about Jesus. Good news. Start telling him about what Jesus has done in your life. Start telling him about what you've seen God do, how he's rescued you time and again, rescued your children, given you a soft heart towards others. Tell them what Jesus is going to do in their lives. Okay, now this is going to get a little awkward, so I'm just going to tell you. you maybe you have been wondering what a eunuch is. Um, and the guys are squirming a little bit. A eunuch is someone who, a man whose masculinity has been removed, shall we say. And here's the thing. This eunuch, he came all the way from Ethiopia, traveled up to Jerusalem because he wanted to go worship. He wanted to see what this Yahweh was all about. The problem is that Deuteronomy 23, don't turn there, it'll make you squeamish. Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 says eunuchs are not allowed to go in. They can't go in. They're not allowed in the temple. They're not allowed to worship there. And then verse 2 of Deuteronomy 23 says foreigners are not allowed in there. So he's got a double whammy. Eunuch, no, stay out. Ethiopian, definitely not. This is not the place for you, dude. He comes all the way up to Jerusalem to worship, and there's a sign on the door that says, you are not welcome. See, the thing is, religion will always be exclusive. It'll always tell people, we don't want your kind here. You don't deserve to be here. It's not for you. Gospel is always inclusive, always inclusive. Always says, you come too. The party started, and you're invited. Check this out. Now, it said, it said that starting with that passage, he began to tell him the good news about Jesus. Starting with that passage. Here's the thing. If he'd scrolled down just a little bit, I love that back then they had scrolls he could scroll down, and now I can just scroll down too. So some things never change. Listen to these verses. I'm just going to summarize this real quick. This is only a few chapters later in Isaiah 56, verse 4 and 5. For this is what the Lord says, I will bless those eunuchs, I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. You are included and you will always be included. Come on in. That's what Isaiah was predicting. All right. So the sign that says no eunuchs, we can tear that one down. Jesus, Jesus did the work on the cross. We can get rid of that one. How about verse 2 of Deuteronomy 23? It says no foreigners allowed. How about this one? Next verse, Isaiah 56, 6 and 7. I will also bless the foreigners. I will bring them 
to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and fill them with joy in my house of prayer. It's so specific, don't you see? So specific. They get to come into the house. Man, I love the work that Jesus did on the cross because everybody's invited, everyone. Jesus came announcing the kingdom. And the kingdom sounds a heck of a lot like this. You come to. The party started. Come on in. That's the beautiful gospel. And worship team, if you guys want to come up, I'm just finishing up here. But uh, finally, we need to leave people rejoicing. When we're on mission, we need to leave people rejoicing. Check this out. These are the last few verses of this story. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. What a coincidence. In the desert, we come to some water. What is up? Man, the Holy Spirit, again, just all over this. Look, says the eunuch. Here's some water. What's to stop me from being baptized? Nothing. Isn't that great? There's nothing to stop you from being baptized. So he gave orders to the chariot to stop. Both of them went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch together, and he baptized him. By the way, we love baptizing people all over the world. We've baptized people in prisons and homes. I mean, if there's no water, we fill up a little inflatable pool, and we fill that with sometimes very cold water, and we just start baptizing. One time, I think Dad was doing a baptism in a house, uh, and suddenly conviction came that the family that was being baptized, the, the couple had never actually been married, uh, partly because it wasn't available to them in their culture, uh, and they really wanted to get married. So Dad did a combo wedding and baptism all in one. <laughs> There's no need to delay on baptism, by the way. When people say, what's to stop me from being baptized? Nothing. Let's get her done. Okay, too many baptism classes, and eventually they may forget why they wanted to be baptized. Let's just get her done. One of the things I love at my church, I'm sure you guys do something similar. When we're doing baptisms, we'll, we'll baptize people. we got a plan for it because, like you, we don't have a tank ready to go. So we bring in a tank for that specific Sunday, and we start baptizing. But we always say, is there anybody else that would like to be baptized today? We share the gospel with them. We say, you come too. Anybody else? Finally, verse 39, when they came up out of the water, this is so weird, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Poof, gone. Man, I would have loved to have seen that. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. When we share the gospel, do people go away rejoicing? Is it good news? It's got to be good news, guys. It's got to be good news to the poor, to the brokenhearted, to the marginalized, to those who are asking, why won't my marriage work? Why are my kids so broken? Why is my mother sick? It's got to be good news. They've got to walk away rejoicing. Leave them rejoicing. If our gospel makes people feel guilt and shame and condemnation, man, we got to change something up. That ain't, that ain't the good news. It should leave people rejoicing. Amen? Some today are probably in the desert of discipline, and the Lord's working on your heart, and you know it. You know the Lord's got to do some refining work. And this morning, I would invite you to just lean into that. Don't resist it. I know it's painful, but God is doing a beautiful, beautiful work in you, and he is restoring you to the person he made you to be. And by the way, I must remind you, he declares over you, you are good. Lean into him. Let him refine you the way he's longing to do. Others are in time of preparation. And you're wondering, why the heck am I doing this job? Why am I in this neighborhood? Whatever it is. Lean in. Say, Lord, I don't know what you're teaching me, but I'm here. 
teach me. Open my ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And some, maybe the Lord's sending you into a difficult place to do mission. Maybe he's sending you into your workplace where you don't know how the heck you're going to share Christ, but the Lord's sending you there. Maybe he's sending you overseas. By the way, we take teams all the time. Some of you guys are going to the Philippines with me in a a few months. Uh, If you missed out on that one, come play with us in Nepal in October. Come get a taste of missions. I'm telling you, it'll change your life forever. But wherever the Lord is sending you, I don't know, maybe you need to ask for an angel to show up and tell you where it is. But be prepared to share good news to the poor, good news to the marginalized and the broken and the hurting. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? If you feel like God's calling you in any of those categories, any of those three categories, if you feel like the Lord is stirring your heart this morning, would you just come and let's just, let's just posture ourselves in a place of receiving whatever he has for you. Just come on up to the front if you want. Just, just open your heart to what he's doing in your heart. I just want to pray a blessing over you. Amen. Hmm. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we thank you that we can trust you in the desert. You never bring us to the desert to die. You bring us to the desert to do a good, good work. Lord, for those who are, those who are in the desert and feeling abandoned and alone, Lord, I ask that you would make yourself known to them right now. Draw yourself close to them, Lord. Open their ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Open their eyes to see where your spirit is moving. Lord, prepare us. Prepare us for the work, the good work that you've prepared long in advance for us, Lord. We are your masterpiece, and there is good work for us to be done. So, Lord, prepare us for that. And, Lord, each and every one of us just declare, just as Isaiah did, here am I, send me. Lord, send us on mission. Holy Spirit, come. Yeah, just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Blessed be your name.